welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. We're excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. We certainly hope and pray that Christ would be glorified, you as our listeners would be edified. We ask that you please go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase. There you can find out a whole lot more information about us. You can listen to past podcasts. We have a statement of faith. We have some history of the podcast and who we are. We've actually done a lot of updating on our webpage, and so if you've not been there, uh, please go there and check it out. And if you have been, but it's been a while, I think you will like the updates. And so I think personally the desktop version is better than the phone version, but that's just a personal uh, opinion only. And so we've spent a lot of time working on that, trying to get that up and going. We listened to a lot of our listeners and suggestions that they had uh, for a web page, what needed to be on there. And so we have tried to implement all of that. We are actually back on Twitter after uh, going around with them about uh, our passwords and things. But we are back on there. We lost all of our uh, followers. A few have already picked us back up, which we are grateful. And so if you want uh, to contact us, you may do so through our webpage, our social media accounts. The links to those are actually on our webpage as well. If you have a prayer request or you want to just say, hey, I had an answer prayer, we can put all that on our webpage. We certainly hope that you would do that. You'd send that in to us, and we'll get that posted as quickly as possible. We have a lot of visitors to the webpage, but the number one page that they normally go to after the home page would be the prayer request page, and that kind of tells me how much people are really wanting to praise. And so uh, if you're a prayer warrior, uh, please go there, check that out. I, I know it doesn't change on a daily basis, but it does change from time to time. And uh, we we really, we pray here every day for our listeners. We pray for God to bless the growth. We pray for those who do listen. So many are in areas of persecution and so we, we pray for the persecuted church each and every day. And if you live in the U.S., please check us out. Uh, you need some gifts, birthdays are coming up, holidays, whatever, baptisms. Uh, we we actually have some affiliates now that uh, are we're trying to figure out ways to supplement the cost of paying this podcast. Uh, we We don't have any churches currently financially supporting us. And so we rely on generous hearts of individuals, uh, the blessings of God to allow us uh, to remain uh, a low debt load so we can uh, produce this each and every week. We continually have to buy equipment, it seems like, or uh, people are starting to tell us in our little church group, we need to advertise it well. Well, we need the resources to do that. So uh, God will provide. He always has. And so today we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus in the empty tomb. And uh, this is a, a series that we're in. And so if you 
kind of just picked up in the middle of all this, I would encourage you to go and listen to the past uh, podcast. This is actually number seven out of the out of this series of Christian evidences, and so the reason we're doing this, a lot of people we're discovering really don't know the historical evidence of Christianity, and so we're really just touching the surface of this. This is really a very long and deep subject. Uh, it takes years, honestly, to really study it deeply and and get it. And what we're trying to do is lay just a foundation that you can build on and and research out for yourself. We there's a lot of old names, uh, codices, in other words, scrolls. They have names to them that we can't. I can't pronounce those names. And so uh, a lot of guys who act like they can, they're just faking it, I think, personally. But uh, maybe they really do uh, know how to do that. And so uh, anyway, uh, please uh, follow along with us. Grab a Bible and uh, listen. If you don't have one, you certainly can uh, order one through our webpage. If you can't afford one, you click on the Daily Bible Verse there, and it'll take you to a webpage with that you can watch, uh, read it for free. So uh, I certainly understand everybody's financial uh, struggles right now. And so, but we've come to the, uh, a point now in our podcast, which our former podcast really had prepared us for this one, and that is to present the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Nothing again should be assumed. I, uh, I, I don't assume anything. I, I really always kind of want evidence. And so when it, the uh, Apostle Thomas says, "Hey, I'm not going to believe that he rose from the dead unless I put my finger in his side. I see the nail prints," because I mean, come on, let's be honest. Dead people don't come back from. The grave. They just simply don't do that, even though they have witnessed Lazarus and, and two others raised from the dead. We're talking a whole new ball game here, a whole new story about can I raise myself from the dead? And Thomas is saying, No, I, I, I ain't going to believe that until I see it. He wants evidence. And no, we call him Doubting Thomas, but I don't know that he's really doubting. Uh, more than he says, hey, I want proof. So bear with me here, and we're going to go through several chapters. And so in John, we're we're going to begin our investigation, I guess you want to call it. Uh, and we can see in John chapter 9, the crucifixion of Christ and the preparation that was made for his burial. And John makes this uh, interesting statement in John chapter 19, verse 35. John chapter 19, verse 35. So follow along. And he who has seen has testified. Okay, so this is the Apostle John. He's saying, I, what I'm writing down is my testimony. I saw it. I'm testifying to it. That word kind of, we use that in, in a court of law. Okay. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth. So that 
Why am I doing all this? So that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone in him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. Okay, so again, uh, here we have John is offering as evidence that Jesus truly had been crucified, he truly had died, and now he is buried. So what you do with dead bodies, we, we bury them, and we don't leave them laying around. And so, again, in the 20th chapter of John, he offers us evidence uh, of the history here, and he's setting up the resurrection. The facts are that we have from John, there, there's really four of them. Okay, there's been a stone. We rolled back from the tomb. The tomb is wide open. Uh, The tomb itself is empty of a body. Uh, The third one, the grave clothes in which Jesus is buried are lying in the tomb. And that it was Sunday or what we would say the first day of the week. All these facts are, are not to be ignored. John has laid out four of them. And so... Uh, we need to consider the evidence. We're going to try to put this in, in this order, and we're going to come up with these facts of a single unit of study that says, hey, Jesus was resurrected. So, reasoning from these facts of what John has done, uh, he causes us really, we, he's opened the door uh, for us to look at. And as we look at this tomb, uh, Somebody's going to ask, who rolled the stone back? Uh, Who removed the body of Jesus? And again, I think it's necessary either a a human act or a supernatural act did this. Either Christ was raised from the dead or his body was taken from the tomb by somebody who carried it around. So now we need to satisfy this line of inquiry. Okay, and I'm going to try to use some maybe some courtroom terms here as we go through. But uh, Jesus's body, where is it? Who removed it from this tomb? And we have to come up with this conclusion as we study the evidence. It was a supernatural event and the resurrection can be uh, sustained. So, again, the first question is. Who opened the tomb? Who emptied the tomb of Christ? Was it friends? Was it enemies? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And we're going to start in verse 62. So please follow along. Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 62. Now on the next day after the preparations, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive. See, they're acknowledging he's dead because people who are crucified, they die. They do not get to come off the cross unless they're dead body. If they're living, they're not coming anywhere. They're going to stay right there. Okay, so verse 63, sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that that deceiver said, after three days, I'm going to rise again. Therefore, give orders 
for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead, and the deception will be worse than the first. Verse 65, And Pilate said to them, You have a guard, go and make it secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Okay, so, again, they asked permission uh, to, to put a seal on this, to make sure that grave was not going to be opened. Uh, if it was going to be opened, a seal has to be broke. Uh, guards went to, uh, with the Jews there. Uh, they were afraid to go to the Roman authorities because of punishment. Uh, the Jews gave some money. Were they bribed? I mean, we're asking these questions. Uh, where is the body? Okay, because we know it was sealed. Again, so uh, the Jews, they thought, well, the, the Roman guards uh, would be better. Uh, they're, they're, they can be severely punished if, if somebody is allowed inside this tomb because that tomb has been sealed. So did the Jewish people bribe them? Did the, the leaders give money to the to the guards to look the other way? I mean, was it the enemies of Christ? Okay, again, that would be the Jews. Did they take the body of Jesus out of the tomb and place it somewhere else? And if so, why? The desire and the intent of the ruling Jews was to keep the body. Okay, there is, why would you take this body if you're gone to Pilate and you're trying to keep that body in that tomb? Because really, what they're going to do is on the third day, they're going to open the tomb and say, ha ha, looky there, there's his dead body. And if his body was still there, you and I would not be talking today at all. would be no reason to talk about it. It would just gone down in history as a, a big hoax, probably even forgotten. And so, again, uh, their desire and their intent of the ruling Jewish was to keep the body in the tomb. And Matthew, again, he'll give us some reasons. We just read them because Jesus had predicted that he would rise again on the third day. And this was common knowledge by this time. Everybody knew that because Jesus had publicly stated that. And second of all, they knew that if the disciples could steal the body of Jesus, that an empty tomb would feed the matter and that they were trying to stop. Okay, so Peter and John could go out there and take his body, throw it out in the uh, the sea or the or lake, Galilee, whatever, and sink it and say, look, can't find that body. And now we can claim that he rose from the dead. And the Jewish leaders are very aware of this. So they're trying to, to prevent this. So in trying to attempt to answer this, who opened the tomb? Who emptied the tomb of Jesus? And we're going to have to conclude on the basis of the documentary evidence of the New Testament that the disciples of Jesus could not have done this deed. And the Jews certainly would not have. Okay, the, the apostles, they're scared to death. They're all hiding somewhere. 
and they are not going to confront an armed Roman guard. So was it grave robbers? Again, uh, I've heard this argument over the years. Somebody robbed the grave, they got in there, and they stole the grave, things in the grave. Well, Juan, there was nothing actual in value that any robber would want, per se, and the only other people would just be robbing, uh, taking his body. Again, the Jews want to leave it there, and the apostles are too scared uh, to make a confrontation with with Roman guards. They're, they're not going to bribe them. Uh, they are hiding because they're afraid they're going to find themselves hanging on the cross next. Again, robbers, the, the, really the only valuable thing that I can come up with would be the uh, 100 pounds or so of spices that were on the burial cloths that might uh, have some value. Again, uh, I, I don't know. Let's let's. I, I'm grasping at straws what somebody would really steal out of there that they could go down to a pawn shop or sell on the black market or whatever. And that would be the only thing. Who's going to buy a dead body? And the body has been stripped because the Roman executioners, the people who actually carried out the crucifixion, they strip Jesus naked. Uh, they take his clothes, they divide it, they, they cast lots for it. Um, so anything that he had of value at the cross itself would, would have been taken uh, and kept by the Roman guards. So turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Uh, I had a listener here a while back email says, you sure like the Gospel of John. Yes, I, I really do. I, I really do. John chapter 19, verse 39 through and 40. Uh, Nicodemus, who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe, aloes, uh, weighing about 100 pounds. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now, it was, jump over here to chapter 20. I'm sorry about that. I'm thinking in my mind here. John chapter 20, uh, verse 5. And stop and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also come following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. So, again, uh, nobody took the linen wrappings, wrappings, I'll get that out sooner or later, that would have had these spices and things on them that might have had some value. Um, again, I don't know how used spices and things would be worth anything, but what I'm trying to do is uh, debunk, defute, show you that what was put in the tomb with those the claws are still there. Nobody stole anything. That's really what I'm trying to get to. Again, so this logical implication from the things that we just read come from the Gospels that Jesus indeed had been raised from the dead. Okay, his body's not there, but his burial claws are still there. Okay, and notice here, uh, I want to say this as well. Uh, the position of the grave clause as well. And verse 6, and so, uh, again, they're just lying there. 
I want to go ahead here and read verse 7 of John uh, chapter 20. And the face cloth which had been on his head was not lying with the linen wrappings, but it had been, notice this, rolled up in a place by itself. So it's almost kind of like uh, they were laying there like with a cocoon-type uh, shell. Maybe they had just collapsed in the middle. I don't know. But notice this neatness that's also in the tomb. Uh, if you're going to rob something, you're you're going to toss things around. You're looking for something valuable, something easy to steal. And that's just not that way. The face cloth is rolled up. So, again, this burial custom of the Jews, we can find this in John chapter 11. And this is where Lazarus, uh, his best friend, I would say, or very close friend, uh, is dead, and he raises his friend from the dead. John chapter 11, verse 43. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound, notice this, notice this, bound, hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So, uh, I would just assume that Jesus being a Jew, Lazarus being a Jew, would have been buried the exact same way they would have wrapped uh, these claws around, they would have tied them off. And despite what you see in the movies, when Jesus, this scene, calls Lazarus out of the grave, Lazarus doesn't walk out. Jesus says, hey, you got to go in there and let him loose. Okay? And so, in John chapter 19, again, back to that, this alloys myrrh that were used. Uh, they were poured, this stuff would be poured into the folds, uh, this weighed about 100 pounds. In Second Chronicles 16, verse 14, says, And they buried him in his, in his own clothing, which he had hewn out for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed, which was filled with sweet orders, various kinds of spices prepared by the perfumers and art, that they made a great uh, burying for him. So anyway, I mean, so this is a Jewish-type custom. And this, he was wrapped with linens from, from toe to his shoulder, or head to toe, I guess we might also say. And then we have uh, the arms are going to be placed by the side of the body, which were also bound uh, to the body with more of these windings of this type of material. The napkin uh, was tied around the face of the body, to complete the covering. So, uh, these products of myrrh, or of karmas, uh, have, they have emit a strong order. Uh, I, I guess it's to cover up the, the decaying body. I don't know. I'm guessing only. So, again, we have Jesus who, who clearly dies... We have people going to Pilate asking for his dead body. We, we, he's put into a, a grave. There's nobody, there's a new grave. There's nobody else there. There is no other dead bodies in this grave, which back in that day and time was not unusual to have several people buried in the same cave or whatever. 
and they would just move the stone back and forth uh, to enter and exit the tomb. So, now here's the question that we really need to try to answer. Who was the person that took the body? Where's it at? That got by or behind, snuck around uh, the Roman guards? I personally, I don't think it could be done. Uh, Even if they have fallen asleep, I mean, honestly, folks, uh, moving a large stone, this heavy stone, two, three guys trying to move this stone, you're going to wake up somebody, okay? And so I just don't really think it could be done. And then you go inside the tomb, uh, you unwrap the body of Jesus, and then you set the body aside, and then the wrappings and, and the grave clothes, uh, you make it look like they've never been tampered with, and then you, you sneak out with this dead body, okay, just to make a hoax for somebody. Um, I mean, honestly, logically try to ask yourself, who would take his own life into his, his hands for such a silly thing? And the answer and the only conclusion that I can come up with is nobody. And that Jesus rose from the dead. He he resurrected. I remember when I went through a seminary, I, I used the term Jesus rose and I got a red mark. No, he resurrected. So uh, anyway, he's no longer there. He rose on the third day. So... There's some other explanations that people try to use, and one of them is that he swooned on the cross. In other words, he um, he faked his death, or uh, he, he his his heart had actually just kind of really stopped beating. It wasn't detectable. Um, it was really soft, or uh, his pulse was really really weak. Okay, uh, I don't buy that one. Uh, because the eyewitnesses there said that he died. Uh, the executioners believed that he died. They report to Pilate that he had died. Uh, and, and like we read in Matthew chapter 27, the chief priest, uh, the Pharisees, they all believed uh, that he was dead. They wanted that tomb guarded for three days. Uh, the women that went there to the tomb uh, Another argument is they went to the wrong tomb. And again, I see no evidence that this actually occurred. Uh, what did they find when they come to the to the tomb and, and they look in? Well, they find grave clothes, and it looked like somebody had been resurrected from the dead. Okay? Uh, they know which tomb it, that Jesus was buried in. They all know it. They followed him. They, they buried him there. Um uh, I'm sure they were mourning, and they know why would a a Roman guard be guarding the wrong tomb? Again, it doesn't make any sense. Reason has to ask, what happened to the body of Jesus if he was not raised from the dead? There is no answer, really. We, We have facts for the history that we have read, we've talked about, and we've received them. So we have this significance here that we really need to wrap this up with. And that is the third day. 
Jesus prophesied he would raise uh, himself. Uh, the Old Testament prophecies predicted that the Messiah would rise. Now, the disciples did not believe that he was raised. Okay? There, again, dead people don't come back uh, from the grave on their own, and they just really are having troubles buying that. So turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 21. But, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it's the third day since these things happened. Verse 22. But also some of the women among us amazed us when they went, uh, when they were there at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen visions of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women said, but him they did not see. And they said to, said to them, O foolish man, this is Jesus talking, verse 25, O foolish man, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Okay, so Luke 20, uh, 24 is kind of interesting uh, chapter. And so, Jesus, at this point in this chapter, he, he's, we're in the third day, and everybody's talking about what's gone on, and now they're trying to figure out where the body is. So, again, the women uh, don't believe, uh, the disciples, excuse me, the disciples don't believe the women at all. Mark chapter 16, uh, verse 9 through uh, 11 says this now after he had risen early on the first day of the week he first appeared to mary magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons and she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her they refused to believe it so again the disciples don't believe that jesus is alive and if they had stole the body, well, you know, he's dead. Why, how in the world did he come back? And then uh, Jesus appears to them again and talked to all of them in Luke 24 that we just talked about, and he helps them with their unbelief. The apostles were not theologically based by some Old Testament prophecy. They did not know it, didn't understand it, or never studied it. I I really don't know, but but here's John. John the Apostle. We're going to wrap this up here. What he is saying, hey, there is a reason for believing that the tomb was empty. The grave clothes were laying there. The napkin is rolled up by itself. Uh, such evidence is completely believable. I mean, John concludes that he saw these things, he believed them. Why can't we? Why Why do we sometimes in the church? I mean, it's really sad. I, I hear people in the church, they're really not sure about that resurrection thing. Eyewitnesses, over 500, over the next 40 days after the resurrection, say they saw him. So what does 
what what reasoning can you come to? What logical deduction can you come to after reading and studying the historical document of the gospel accounts? And really, you can only come up with one thing. He was resurrected. So again, Jesus prophesied that he would be he would rise on the third day. The prophecies were foretold early in his ministry. He, after the first temple cleansing, uh, out of the, out of the ministry, he says, "Look, you know." He he appeals to uh, to Jonah's experience and the fish three days and three nights as a sign of his burial and resurrection. It it became common knowledge that the Jewish rulers knew of this prophecy. They did not expect a resurrection, and they wanted to present his lifeless body of Jesus on the third day to say, look, there's no way. His Messiah claims <laughs> they're false, okay? And that does never happen. There was an empty tomb on the third day. Had either the Roman or the Jewish rulers removed the body, it would not have been any problem for them to do that and present a dead body on the third day, and this again, like I said earlier on, would just completely stop this movement dead in its tracks. It would never made it this far. So Christianity, again, in the first day of the week, here we have the church is established on the first day of the week in Acts chapter 2. The the church is instructed to take up a special collection on the first day of the week in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Uh, The Lord's church is to observe the Lord's Supper or communion, however you want to call it, on the first day of the week as well. And you can see that in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. So, again, this idea of this first day of the week is so impressive and it's testimony of what really happened on this first day that these Jews who become Christians, they never seem to question the correctness of this emphasis, the question of Jesus being raised from the dead. They truly believed it. That's why they're meeting on the first day of the week. That's why they're doing communion. Uh, everything is centered on the first day of the week because... Uh, the resurrection of Jesus. So I, I hope this kind of helps you a little bit. Uh, we're going to continue in our next podcast next week uh, about uh, the resurre- resurrection of Jesus and the change that goes on at Pentecost. And so that kind of gives you a taste for next week. I I certainly, certainly pray and hope that you have enjoyed and will continue to enjoy the podcast uh, through this, especially this kind of a long series of Christian evidences that we're trying to put together to give you some basis of to know. I think, you know, emotions change, and that's why marriages fail, uh, fail so much in this around the world, especially in this country that we live in, where people get married, they live together, they have children together, whatever, because it's all based off of a feeling. And I'm not saying feelings are bad, because God gave us feelings. But we need to learn to read those and understand those feelings better. Because when feelings change, emotions change, what happens? Uh, 
things just disappear on you. But the things that you really truly know, you're, if you can get a good education anymore, uh, those things that people have taught you, your parents have taught you, uh, your Bible teachers have taught you, those things are knowledge, and you can hang on to them, and that knowledge should not change. If it's the truth of the gospel of God's word, it should not change. You should know that you are in the blood of Christ. You should know that you're part of the church. And just a side note, the church is not the building that you go to, the church of the people next to you, because Jesus did not die for brick and mortar. He died for flesh, for you and me, those who are created in his image. Again, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, again, next week we're going to talk more about the resurrection and, and the apostles in the day of Pentecost. Again, for more information about us, I ask that you please go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. Hit the like button on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, leave us a, a, a comment on Facebook or Twitter or MeWe or LinkedIn. We're on several of them. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, we get lots of good emails, but we would really like, honestly, if people would be brave enough to give positive uh, reviews on uh, our social media accounts. Excuse me. And I, I pray that uh, God will guide you in that. Again, check out our webpage. Tell your friends and family about us, anybody that you might think would be beneficial to hearing us. We get uh, the one or two reviews that we've got uh, on Facebook. One of those made a comment about, you just never know what we're going to talk about. We're always learning something. And that's what we try so hard to do here. So many churches, they just they get on one topic uh, one particular Bible verse. Uh, they don't look at the entire Word of God, and I think that's so important that we do that, and we're trying really hard here at, with this podcast to do such a thing. Again, may God bless you, and may He have the glory. <laughs>